I remember. I remember being in grade school, like four, five, six, seven grade school. And every morning, my mom would wake me up and drive me to school after I had a bowl of just right cereal for breakfast, which they discontinued in Canada. It's still a thing in Australia, but it's different. It has dried fruits. It's not as good, but it's a disappointment for another day. All morning, from the kitchen table to the school door, we would be listening to Information Morning on CBC Radio. It was mostly typical morning radio stuff, upcoming flea markets, traffic reports, and school closures. Fuck, remember snow days? Sometimes I see people with office jobs complain about how remote work means they don't get to have snow days anymore, but I work in food service. I never get snow days. I just get extra shitty commute days. Anyway, I would always look forward to Information Morning on Thursdays because that was the day that Tara Thorne would do a movie review. I always thought she was really funny and cool, and 7th grade Kalen would be blown away if you told him he would get to interview her for a podcast. What's a podcast, he would say. That sounds so stupid. Just buy CDs. What do you mean you don't use CDs anymore? What the hell is Spotify? X amount of years later, and Tara is just as funny and clever as I always thought she was. I was cracking up the entire time I was editing this interview. And now you can too. You can crack up too. I'm going to say take it away as if she's in the room with me, but I always record these parts like way after the interview is done. Take it away, Tara. Tara Thorne, I'm a recovering journalist, (laughs) podcaster, filmmaker, permanently underemployed person. (laughs) Thank you very much for joining me here Thanks for asking. I'll just jump right into it. If you have a story of a time where maybe someone or a situation was disappointing to you. Ever since you asked me to do this, I've been thinking about disappointment as a feeling. Like it's not... Like, anger is a flash. This morning, I got up at 6.30. I went to the dentist. They were half an hour late. I was angry about that. No food, no coffee, sitting there doing nothing. But now I don't care. Who cares? But it, but disappointment, it's like insidious. It gets inside you. It's like a deep, deep sadness. So I, I've been thinking about that a lot. Thanks. I didn't have anything else to, sad to think about. So I <laughs> just what added I'm here it for. to the pile. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to talk about, um, being disappointed, uh, at work. I, most people know me from the two jobs that I had for a really long time. One was at the coast, which was 19 years. And one was at CBC, which was 15 years. One of them I left quite quietly. One of them I left quite loudly. And in both cases, they were both high level, like we'll never get over it disappointments because so the coast specifically, I started there when I was 20 years old. 2-0. I'm now in my 40s. I left once. People forget that, but I did. I left in 2007 and I came back in 2009 and was there sort of part-time and it was just sort of like keeping me alive for a long time. And then I ended up being arts editor again. There's all this like sort of inside baseball boring shit that wouldn't mean anything to anyone that I'm not going to get into. But I will say, I was filling in on a mat leave. Uh, I knew at the end of it that I wanted to like leave fully. I was just like, I'm done. It was partially because I was turning 40, such a cliche. But I was just like, you know, I'm done. It's time. Finally. It's like a long fucking time. And I kind of went in. I knew we were going to have this meeting about the mat leave ending and like, what would I do next? And I was like, I would like to leave. I think it was June. I was like, I'd like to leave. Um, and then I would like it to be after the back to school issue, which was like September. And they said no. They were like, for whatever reason, 
they wouldn't let me dictate the terms? Mm-hmm. I, th- I honestly think it was money related. Now, I currently am making a living wage, which has never happened to me before. <laughs> <laughs> I was at a party in December with arts workers um, before everything. Don't judge me. Before everything started, <laughs> the windows started shutting. Uh, but we were talking about how all these, all these kids are coming into the arts industry with real employment rules and a living wage and shit. And we're like, cool. Like, I, I don't mean it like... I had to pay my student loans and so should you. Like, I don't care about that shit. I'm just sort of like, oh, they get to walk out into $25 an hour jobs, Mm -hmm. you know? Whereas I like have never made money my whole fucking life. And my whole fucking life, I worked at the coast. It's not that hard to put it together. (laughs) (laughs) But I was making the maximum I had made there at the time. And I do think it was a, a, a money situation, but they wouldn't say it. And so long story short, they kind of shoved me out the door. He was like, no, no, like, it can't be September. I'll come back to you with another date. And then the date, he dropped the date on a Wednesday, which is a print day. And it was the following Friday. Not even two weeks. Not even legal. Yeah, to say nothing of how I had given him my literal youth. (laughs) My whole adulthood had been spent there. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time in my life, like, I don't like conflict. I'm a crier. I walked in there. I left my fucking body. I was so pissed and over it and I had nothing left to lose and I just like unloaded and it's a small office with glass walls. Like everyone heard it. Mm -hmm. And I came out and I sat there and they like, he asked me to leave because he was upset. I came out and sat down and was like, tap, 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 tap. Are you okay? Yes, I'm fucking great. And then I didn't even go in for my last day. I was like, I, I cleaned my desk the day before. I slipped back in and put gifts on all the girls' desks, and I just didn't come in. And I had a party Friday night, and mm-hmm. it was dope. But I was just like, with that one thing, you fucking ruined everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, my whole life. Like, I look back on it, and it's just tainted. And I have nothing good to say anymore. And I will trash them on Twitter anytime I fucking feel like it. I do think, like, the coast people like to take swings at it just because they like to, and they that's always been true. And I do find myself, like defending the current like the people that are there now like none of this is their fault mm-hmm. none of the, what happened to me has anything to do with them so like i will always defend it as an institution and and defend it as having done good work for 30 years but in terms of my personal relationship like it's it's done it's done yeah. it's done and so one year later <laughs> you might remember i got fired from cbc for um tweeting about the premier's son's sex life, which happened downstairs in this very house. So the CBC is a very bizarre place. It's heavily unionized. I mean, I think you're unionized or you're not. I don't think it's like heavily or light, but it's like the rules are the rules. There's not necessarily degrees of unionization. I don't think yeah. So. But it happened and it was nefarious. And the details are not really out there, partially because, I mean, they would never say anything, but also because at the time I had a grievance in with the union and then there was like maybe going to be a lawsuit and all the shit that I never, you know, there was all this shit I didn't want to damage by talking about it publicly. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter in the end, but um, it was a bizarre situation because no one that worked there could publicly comment. So I was getting all these emails from people's Gmails because CBC is public, so you can FOIPOP CBC emails, Mm -hmm. freedom of information request. So first of all, everything that happened with the firing was over text and phone calls, no emails, which is- Even like from- Even from the executives, so super fucking dodgy. Yeah. And then, so all the people in the Halifax and New Brunswick studios where I worked, not all of them, 
this is the other thing. I don't want to implicate anyone because I don't want them to get in trouble now. But they they were like writing me from their Gmails to the point where Gmail was flagging them all as phishing scams because I had gotten emails from their CBC emails previously. They were like, oh, this is someone trying to scam you. Mm-hmm. This is 10 people trying to scam you. So like there was a lot of support inside the institution. But where there wasn't one, um, where there wasn't support, Gurdino, no thanks. Sorry to make you edit. Gurdy. <laughs> We've got a cat on the laptop. <laughs> Hold for Gertie. So where the disappointment came in, because actually it was hugely supportive. And even though I felt like dying a lot of that time, like I really, like so many people showed up for me in such a kind way. But the one person who didn't was my direct producer hmm. who um, I had worked with for 10 years and was is a lovely person. And she was on vacation when it happened. Like, pity the poor fill-in producer that had to deal with this, by the way. Like, it's a shit. It's a shit pile. <laughs> yeah. just, like, it's not fun. This is He's like, just like, I'm just, I shouldn't have to do anything, and now I'm fending off the public. This is like his one week that he needs to be in the office. Yeah. <laughs> so she was on vacation. Mm-hmm. I texted her Friday night, and I was like, can we, can I call you? And she said, no. Call Jerry. And I was like, no. Like, we've talked. We've talked. I need to talk to you. And she's like, let's talk Monday. I'm like, no, I don't. I might not make it to Monday. Mm-hmm. And I just felt, you know, you try to have empathy and grace for people because this was also the first summer of the pandemic. Like people were tired. And especially people in media have never had a break. Mm-hmm. Like for all of us, they got to like work from home and like, like they work from home, but they're working from home. They're doing their regular job. And their job is meticulously detailing the pandemic. It's horrible. And they were all fucked like everyone at cbc that summer and probably still now they were like not doing well so the timing of this happening she like didn't have it in her to deal with it but i still had to live through it do you know what i mean it's like Mm. cool i'm sorry it's an inconvenient time for you but hello are you gonna do anything are you gonna put yourself between me and whoever's gonna cut my head off and i don't think she did i i can't say for sure as far as I know, she didn't do anything that she could have done. Mm-hmm. And this and, is a long-standing professional, yeah, personal relationship. Ten years. That is, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, we see each other in the street and it's awkward. Like, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, maybe she would hear this and be really upset to hear this. But it's like, I feel like she knows. Yeah. I feel like she knows. And I just kind of go like, in both of these situations, I'm like, combined 20 years of my life in these two places that just like, we're like, Flick me away at the end. You know what I mean? And you kind of turn on, you go, fuck, man. Like, what did I do all this for? When you have invested a lot of time and energy into either a space, be it like an institution or a house, when that's not reciprocated. Yeah. That's like a huge, huge disappointment. It was. And in terms of CBC, especially like my producer and I did have a really nice phone call the Sunday before the Sunday night. That's how long, like I stewed in this, like I needed support. I needed someone to say, no, it's not going to happen. Even though she didn't know. And it would have been a lie as it turns out, but I needed, I needed something. And she just sort of said, you know, I, I hope that they wouldn't fire my favorite columnist without telling me first, but they fucking did. Mm -hmm. And you know what? She didn't call them (laughs) to say, are you doing this? (laughs) Gertie, no thanks. 
Uh, we've also shot a film in here, and she like ended up in the film because she's like, um, this is Gertie, not my producer, uh, because she <laughs> she won't go away. She was acting as a sandbag that day. No. Um, well, she is the star. <laughs> I just felt like, I don't know, so much of what happened with CBC is like, the, the second I caused trouble for them, like I never caused trouble for them. In my entire 15 years on the air. And I tweeted for 10 of those years. And you know how I tweet. It wasn't a new thing that I was doing. But because someone at the premier's office made a call, suddenly they were aware of me on Front Street. Even though, like, the woman who called me never heard of me before that day. She did not know I was on New Brunswick Radio. She did not know that on Friday. But Monday she did. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, she didn't know who I was. Why would she? Like, low-end, low-grade, <laughs> podunk, you know what I mean? Like, why? But... They have this terrible contract. And Ron Pink, the lawyer, yelled at me for signing it. I'm like, Ron, I don't think you understand what kind of business I'm in here. It's like, here's the contract. Sign it or fuck off. Yeah. And you go, yeah, okay. I shan't fuck off. I will fuck on for this much money a week. And it was good money for eight minutes a week. And that's what I was trying to explain to Ron, who probably made $1,000 an hour. I don't fucking yeah, know. Yeah, just talking to you. Just yeah. talking to you. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I didn't pay for that call. I can tell you that. Um so I was this like personality and someone they held up and was part of the family. And then one, one misstep, literally one, mm -hmm. they were like, you're fucking out and we can't help you and no one can help you. You know, it was, it's like deeply, deeply disappointing. Yeah. Like I'm like that, that phrase, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. That's where you've landed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just sort of like, okay. And you go, well, what am I going to do about it now? Nothing. Nothing. Mm -hmm. It's just too bad. The coast is like different because it was like a long-standing family-esque kind of relationship that was tough and hard. And I don't think people get that. And you try to explain it. It's like, I don't get it. Like, what's your problem? Like, I don't It's like too hard to explain. But that was just like the rug being pulled out and no one. And they just like, let me, let me fall. Yeah. It was out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like with yeah. the coast, you had already the know, coast was made a your plan. intention clear. Yeah. And then it just went sideways. And, but it's like when you try to explain a family dynamic to someone mm -hmm. when someone's like, Oh, but your family seems so great. And yeah. it's like, when you try to explain all the things about your family that you find really annoying, you, then you realize it's just you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like look, such a cool job. Is it? <laughs> sure. I can swear. That's nice. I guess. Yeah. I've been meaning to ask you this for a long time. Like, has anyone ever figured out who the like, thorny one like twitter troll oh was. no you know what's funny though there was thorny one and thorny two and uh everyone was reporting it reporting reporting it, until i went through the actual like this is abusive to me here's me like they didn't do anything about it uh -huh. and then everyone that had reported it got a note that was like thanks for reporting it we banned that person and i was like that wasn't you that was me <laughs> i solved my own problems <laughs> i assume it was just some like tool bag friend of Stephen McNeil's yeah. son. I just remember there was like a few of those tweets that stood out to me with like very specific references to like first names of people like in the music and oh, art community yeah, yeah, yeah. that I was like, they were just making such pointed references that I was like, what is the connection? Like right. there must be something. I mean, so people don't like me. Like, like people don't like when you're like, uh, well, that's another thing about the coast. Like, it's a very love-hate kind of institution. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm loud and swear a lot, and people don't like me. It's fine. So, But I think 
it also could have been someone just like waiting for an opportunity to be like, fuck this bitch. Yeah. And yeah. Cause you're right. It did sound like someone who knew me and knew who I knew. Yeah. And things like that. I was just like, I just remember that happening and just being like, who has the time? <laughs> I know. What a loser. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. That's like, that's like a certain sort of accomplishment. I Is feel it? like having <laughs> people me. who are willing to impersonate you on the internet. <laughs> With like the most, I am militant about people not taking my photos. It served me so well in this time, except that was some shitty band photo that someone posted on Facebook, like me scream, like mid scream in a dance movie show. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So I looked awful and insane. Yeah. Um, but I will say otherwise, the only photo they could find was my official band photo that Richard Land took in like 2012. So I look a lot younger than I am. <laughs> I was wearing a white flag shirt, so I yeah. look really cool. They were doing the work um, for you. But yeah, there just weren't that many for them to choose from, so it has served me well as, yeah. as a personal policy. Well, thank you for sharing. No problem. Uh, I'm wondering if you could talk about a time where maybe you disappointed somebody else. Oh, God. Um, I. This is probably going to sound like a cop-out. I feel like I disappoint myself every fucking day. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that? Oh, my God. Tara, <laughs> are you a Pisces? <laughs> <laughs> triple virgo oh shit yeah okay. yeah 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 i think um i'm sure there are i'm sure it's like too hard for me to bring up so mm-hmm. i'm just gonna turn the lens on myself yeah go for it but i you know to my earlier point about being in those jobs for so long one of the reasons i made a movie which is gonna be my fun answer <laughs> um because i was sitting in my backyard the day i turned 40 on the phone with ei for the first time Mm. in my life and i'd fucked it up i was like i don't know how this works do they come to me no they don't so i like lost six weeks of ei because i fucked it up but anyway i'm talking to this guy in newfoundland i'm like sitting there and turning 40 and going what happened to you (laughs) you have no job you can't even get this money out of the government what's gonna what's happened to you it was a real like cliche crisis of confidence where I was like, okay, you're halfway, you're at the halfway point of your life. Mm-hmm. What have you done? You live in this apartment. You have a roommate. I did at the time. I don't know. You're 40 years old. You have a 27 year old roommate. You have no girlfriend. You have no job. What are you doing? So I just feel like even making the movie is some microcosm of that every day where it's like, oh, who let you, an idiot, do this? <laughs> it's that it's that like inner voice that like I am deeply familiar with. That's definitely like such a like specific example of a situation where you're 40 and you're in your backyard (laughs) and you just want to get this money and you made a mistake. (laughs) And when you have like no one to blame on the outside, which like even sometimes when I have someone to blame, like when I I have the option, Mm -hmm. I will still like turn it inward. Yeah. So I, I think that's not a cop-out answer at all. Like, no one else has gone for it yet. So oh, wow. Clearly. I figured everyone would. I think I sent this, I sent a, a GIF the other day. I think it was like a, a joke about a gay musical or something. But it's from Streetcar the Musical and The Simpsons. I thought that life would be a Mardi Gras never-ending party. Ha. Huh? And I kind of go, yeah, man. Like, I got this sweet job when I was 20 years old. I'm like, yeah, here we fucking go. Cut to me turning party like, I hate these people. And 
I'm the, I have never made a dollar and what am I doing? Um, so yeah, I think, uh, uh, something I tell the, like a lot of the people on our set were very young and they had made their own films and I would say, you know, what do you, are you, what are you working on? And they're like, oh, I'm just going to like work in the industry for a while. And I'm like, can I just, can I just say, it's none of my business. Please don't wait. Like, don't wait to do the shit that you want to do and the shit that you love. And that is, that is truly where I'm, I'm most disappointed in, in myself because taking chances always does pay off. Uh, or, I mean, one time it didn't, but like largely it does. And what happened in the wake of me getting fired, which is not a chance I took, it's just like something that happened to me. All this, this great shit came out of it because apparently the CBC was dark energy holding me back and I didn't know I never would have left I would have like stayed until they asked me to go in a nice way they would have been like you know we're facing this column out it costs too much or whatever but yeah I'm disappointed in myself like and Sue Goyette who's a great poet told me not to be one she's like you know that's just marketing there's like wellness timelines and you're supposed to be like on this path don't worry about it it's just marketing um, she's like late, like late blooming. It doesn't exist. And it, it, like, it can happen at any age. I feel like that's sort of a, a silver lining to go. Yeah, I'm a late bloomer. It's fine. But it's because I just didn't take any chances mm -hmm. for a really long time. And, um, and I regret that. No regrets. Yes. Many regrets. <laughs> there is, there's no such thing as late blooming. There's just blooming. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the agave. Yeah. Remember that? Oh my God. That's what she was talking about actually. Yeah. People were obsessed. Obsessed. Yeah. And we got that turtle. Yeah. <laughs> He's still thriving. <laughs> My favorite Haligonian, Gus. Yeah, Gus. Thank yeah. you. To get a little bit lighter, mm -hmm. where we've already alluded to it a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What is something that either you're proud of or you are excited for? Yeah, I made a movie last year. So this time last year we were cast. It was I was just like laying this all out the other the other day. Two years ago I had finished writing it. Last year we were shooting it, and this year, literally, I'm getting the poster today. Um, the trailer's in progress. Like, we're ready to, it's done, and we're throwing it out, trying to get on the festival circuit. Obviously, I see you very regularly right. <laughs> through work and the streets. Yes. Um, so I've been, like, aware of this being the thing that is happening. Mm -hmm. I've been seeing you posting about it pretty much since you got into that program. Yes, Talent to Watch. Talent to Watch. <laughs> Doesn't matter how old you are. Through the Atlantic Filmmakers Cooperative? Actually through Telefilm. Telefilm. Yeah. Okay, sweet. That's yeah. a national. Yes. It's, okay. it's it, The government runs the movies here. I, th I don't think people realize that. Mm -hmm. Telefilm's a government agency <laughs> <laughs> that funds all the movies in Canada. Fantastic. Including ours. And I don't know why, but having you just now be like, Oh, the poster is arriving today. Like that is just what really crystallized it in my mind right. is like, I've always known it's going to happen. I've known it's going to be great. I'm so excited. But like being like, oh, there's a poster. Yeah, like, it's real. Oh, this You can hang that places. <laughs> yeah. That's that's really exciting. It's super exciting, but it's also very stressful. Like I knew I work at a festival. I work at the Halifax Independent Filmmakers Festival. And I know how it goes in terms of selections. Like, you know, it's not like. When there's an open call for submissions for a film festival, the programmers aren't just like, yup, send me your movies and we'll build a schedule from that. Like they're inviting things. They've got things. And then they're sort of like filling in the holes with submissions. Mm. So I know how that goes. And I know that a lot of people make movies. A lot of people want the same kind of tiny amount of slots. But this whole year, you know, we were sort of talking off air about how it's 2022 has been quite hard. Um, but for me, it's because I'm sitting here with nowhere to go because nothing's open, getting fucking rejected by festivals all over the world. Yeah. Some are saying yes, and we will be announcing that. But yeah, it's, it's a tough go. You're like, 
Well, all my friends and the people who worked on it say it's great. What's your problem? My mom thinks I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. So it's a real up and down, pro- a real up and down process of like being very excited to be like, yes, we made this thing on two hundred thousand dollars, which is a lot of money on the ground, but it's not a lot of money to make a movie. That's like a tiny, that's just like a tiny, like Euphoria. That's their food budget for the season. You know what I mean? It's like half the music budget. <laughs> yeah, they shot that thing on film. <laughs> um, so you know, and I, like I'm so proud of what we did, and how like, that the the way our set ran, and like we managed to get in between COVID lockdowns. Like mm-hmm. every single thing feels like a bit. It's like luck and skill combined. It's been really, really great. And you know, I didn't know how to direct a movie. I I also keep saying there's no reason on the earth Telefilm should have said yes to me directing this movie. I had like made three shorts in my whole life, and one was a long time ago. But they did. Like it's it's like a it's a zeitgeisty kind of idea. It's about a lesbian vigilante who beats up abusive hipster men at night. Right? <laughs> who doesn't want to see that? Apparently many festivals. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, it sells itself. Like anyone that I tell the log line to, when like normies, like the dentist, the eye doctor, like when they're like, fuck, that's a movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. My that it's the only it's the only big idea I've ever had. And it's not really even that big of an idea. It's not that high of a concept, but it's like it's the first thing. Like I'm so happy with how it turned out. And yes, the poster of the trailer, it's like every new step feels like, oh, this is a real movie. Like we had a cast and crew screening in December, like two days before the world shut down again. Mm-hmm. And I was so nervous, but I'm like, no, we're watching this at Park Lane. This is where I come to watch the movies. Will we ever actually be in here? Probably not. But here we are right now. Yeah. And it was dope. I feel like, and and I understand that, you know, Twitter is a bit of a vacuum <laughs> and I don't follow a lot of people. So my, you know, I, I get like maybe a couple of, perspectives i think there's a lot of people who honestly are very hungry for what you've described in this film i hope so i think there's a lot of people who were like pretty disappointed in like recent films that were kind of like approached it Mm -hmm. and then really backed off at the very end Mm -hmm. that i think like that catharsis is like I think it's I think it will really resonate. I hope so. And I mean, you know, I love I feel like one of the movies you're probably talking about is Promising Young Woman, which is one that I really loved. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people didn't love the ending of that because mm-hmm. it, has this, it has this tragic ending. But so does Thelma and Louise, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And in my favorite is my favorite movie of all time and really informed Compulsus. But we do have catharsis. Like, it's I can tell you that. Yeah. Like, it's built in. No spoilers. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, like just justice isn't served in like a traditional way, but shit goes down. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. I, I feel like, yeah, for me, it was kind of like, okay, she's going to be murdering Adam Brody. This mm. is exactly what cinema mm-hmm. needs. And mm-hmm. then it was like, oh, she's just like giving them a stern talking. To. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember seeing an interview with with Emerald Fennell and and. Um, Carrie Mulligan and someone said do the do do the color coding you know she had like she was ticking them off in her little book mm. and she was like does the color coding mean something like you know red murder blue attack whatever and she said yeah but I'm not telling you I'm like okay <laughs> I can take what I need from that <laughs> yeah yeah such a smart answer <laughs> it really is it's like, even if it like wasn't true it's like the production part department might have been like this is nice this looks nice blue and red and green together cool yeah it was just whatever pen they could find at catering yeah <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> uh, i have not been on a movie set i assume they have catering they do yeah you have to it's part of it you that, have to feed people yeah that is a lie <laughs> i was on i can remember <laughs> we can talk yeah about um <laughs> No, well, my mom was in, well, my mom was in like the, th- 
theater production of Marion Bridge when it first happened. And right. so then she had like a small role in I the love that film. Movie. So I got to like be around the set a couple of times. And literally it was just me like in her trailer, just being excited to like she go. She had a get trailer snacks. though. That's huge. We didn't have trailers. We had a van. I was, uh, there was no room for me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like a trailer in a van. <laughs> I feel. Uh, that's a great movie though. Molly Parker. Ugh. Yeah. Spoon. I remember, yeah, I remember everyone being like, like, even in like 2000, 2001 or something, everyone being like, oh, Elliot Page is like, this is going to be a big deal. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then Hard Candy comes out. And yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot Elliot was in that. Yeah. Yeah, that's my one degree of separation. Amazing. Uh, I don't think they share any scenes together. Elliot but... used to live on, on Hare Street. We called it uh, Juno Street. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just on the corner over there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much. Thanks for asking. I was a little bit worried I would be um, uh, kind of a mess, but I went angry. I went the other way. It was great. And okay. you know what? We're also, we're not against messes here. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Sorry about Gertie. I've got a flame that won't die Climbing to the sky I've got a flame that won't die I've got a heart Hey, thanks for listening. Let You Down is hosted by me, Kaylin Pygett, and I also write scripts for the intros and outros. I have a really bad habit of procrastinating until really late at night before doing it, though, and my initial script for the intro to this episode included the sentence, Tara Thorne is just as funny and clever as I ever was, which I don't know what that says about me, that sleep-deprived Kaylin has such a high opinion of himself it makes me really uncomfortable a couple of people who i am very comfortable having high opinions of though are jay stroutman who made our theme song and isra fitch who made our artwork you can hire both of them thanks again to my guest tara thorne you are hearing her again right now this is the song requite from the 2017 dance movie album pierce I once saw a dance movie perform a show, and Tara introduced a song by saying it was about one of the many disappointing men in her life. And I've spent my entire existence since then with the singular goal of not being the kind of man who would disappoint Tara Thorne. It's my mantra. I know they say don't meet your heroes, but sometimes they end up being really cool. And sometimes they just get to be your pals instead. Thank you, Tara. And I'll see y'all next time. (laughs) 